This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Boy, Nugent to win it. Between circles, shoots and scores! Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers in He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Big game just getting underway between the Blues and the Blackhawks. If St. Louis wins, they jump past Colorado into the final playoff spot in the West. Western Conference. Senators lead the Sabres 2-1 with eight minutes left in the first period. Later on tonight, the Wild will meet the Ducks. Baseball this evening, the Blue Jays trail the White Sox 1-0 in the fourth, and the Raptors set to take on Boston. Tip-off in mere seconds at the ACC. Oilers back at it tomorrow. They will take on the Vegas Golden Knights. No Andre Sekera for the rest of the season. He was injured Monday in Minnesota. It is to the same knee where he had the torn ACL. However, not a major injury, but head coach Todd McClellan saying no point putting him out there in one of these two remaining games. Defenseman Johan Ovitu doubtful for the remainder of the season. Also injured Monday in Minnesota. Nothing broken, though, after Ovitu blocked that shot. Keegan Lowe has been called up from the farm on an emergency basis. He will make his Oilers debut on defense. It'll be his third NHL game. The Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. Matt Benning, Ryan Nugent Hopkins also expected to return after missing the last couple of games. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6.07 Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Has all four goals tonight. Fedorov has all four goals tonight. And it looks like he's going to have a chance here to win the game. We're in sudden death overtime. Fedorov will take the shot against Kelly Rudy. The crowd of 19,875 standing, going crazy. It's one-on-one. Fedorov can win it for this fifth of the game. Here he comes. Sergei Fedorov in on Kelly Rudy. He shoots. Saved by Kelly Rudy, and the game is still tied at 4-4 with a minute eight to go. How about that as we bring Kelly Rudy onto the show? Hey, buddy. Oh, boy, that's a great memory. That one, uh, I believe, was uh, 93-94. February 12th, 1995, Kelly. Okay, nice. Yep, so I had one year uh, later, and we were in a real playoff uh, hunt right there, and we played the night before in Toronto. I believe we won something like 3-2 in Toronto. I might have had about 42 or 3 saves, I think, in Toronto. And that night in uh, Detroit, I think I finished with 45 saves. We ended up tying that. And one, the, one of the most vivid, vivid memories I have of that game and that penalty shot by Fedorov is that it was such an important part of the season for us, and we needed the points so desperately. If you go look at the YouTube video, you can see the first guy that comes rushing off the bench is, is Gretzky. 
So he's extremely excited at that point. Um, and we ended up not making the playoffs, which was a bummer. I think we missed the playoffs by one point that year. But, uh, boy, we were in a real battle at that point, And uh, that was uh, one of the, uh, the better playoff fights we've had. Like, it was right down to the last uh, game. We had to get one point in Chicago. Uh, last game of the season, we ended up losing, I think, 3-1. So. Yeah, that brings back a lot of memories, Reed. That was, uh, your memory is incredible. And Fedorov had four goals in that game. Detroit. The second second goal was pathetic. It was a terrible, just a slap shot coming down the wing. And for whatever reason, I kind of got locked in. My feet got locked in. I could barely move. And it it went right by my leg. There's no reason that the shot should have gone in. It was horrible. You guys trailed 4-1 after two periods, rallied to tie it in the third. You were bang on. You made 45 saves, and it ended in a 4-4 tie, which I know is foreign to a large section of our listing audience because there aren't ties anymore. But, yeah, you're absolutely, your memory's incredible. Uh, the, that was the lockout shortened season. You played 48 games. Uh, you guys finished with 41 points, one point behind Dallas and San Jose. Dallas actually got the last playoff spot. San Jose got seventh. So you did miss by a point, but you pretty much... Now, Fedorov, I mean, he'd already scored four goals. So what were you thinking when he got the, the penalty shot? Well, I wasn't in the, <laughs> I wasn't in the best frame of mind, I can tell you that. <laughs> and if, and I, if I'm not mistaken, Fedorov won the Hart Trophy the year before, or that year. So that's how great he was. Uh, not only was he great offensively, but he was probably the best defensive player in the game at that point also. He was unbelievable. All I remember is that I knew I just had to come out and take away any shot opportunity, and I wanted to be really aggressive, and that's exactly what I was. If you watch the video, I came well out, and that's basically also in a real transition period for me. I was really going from... uh, I went from a stand-up when I made the Islanders, and then I went kind of more like a uh, hybrid, and I was really going into uh, a more modern-looking goaltender back then. So uh, it was in transition. I was—I uh, thought I was making the transition quite nicely. I enjoyed playing the the uh, more uh, current way. I also, if I'm not mistaken, uh, well, I know that I'm accurate. Uh, that year, because we missed the playoffs by a point, Reed, it actually led to something really great in my life, and that's my broadcasting career because. We flew home from Chicago the next day, and I get home to my house uh, in the beach area of Los Angeles, and my wife says, uh, hey, you've got a phone call from a guy by the name of John Shannon from Hockey Night in Canada. And I first met John in 1989 on an airplane. So we had this kind of relationship, and we knew each other and stuff. I had no idea that he ever had any interest in offering me a job in broadcasting, but So I called him back, and he said, hey, listen, uh, we're doing something new at Hockey Night this year. Of course, Ron and Don are on, but uh, we're going to do this brand-new atrium show out of the atrium in the CBC building on Front Street in Toronto, and we'd like to alternate with somebody. It would be Ron and Don one night, and then Ron and uh, uh, whoever accepts uh, this job for, for, for one round. And he goes, I have to admit, you're not my first choice. And I go, okay, who's your first choice? And he goes, Gretzky. And I go, okay, well, that makes sense. And luckily for me, Wayne turned it down, and I accepted it. And then, you know, basically that led to my career starting at Hockey Night, and I've been there ever since. So 
that was a strange year in that uh, not making a class, yet it turned out to be a great thing in my own personal life. Yeah, that's awesome. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports, of course, now with the NHL on Rogers, former NHL goaltender, played with the Kings, Islanders, and Sharks. Uh, you were never one to back down, Kelly, when you were in there, and uh, I wondered, I, I was thinking you must have enjoyed that Lucic-Smith exchange on Saturday <laughs> night when the Oilers battled the Flames. Of course I did, and as you know, no, I never did back down. And I, I'm a product of the uh, Western Hockey League in the 70s when I first joined, and so we had all sorts of brawls all the time in warm-up and during the games and so on, and I certainly wasn't shy about getting involved and, and uh, punching people and so on. I only had one actual uh, real fight, and that was with John Van Beesbrook, but uh, I usually would really stick up for myself. I, back in those days, you could use your blocker and pound guys in the head and trust me they got their shots in too but i was really happy to see mike smith and what uh, happened on the weekend and i was also glad to see tanner glass uh, challenge lucic and i'm not surprised that lucic and uh, glass went at it and lucic is by far the tougher guy but uh, i i liked uh, the exchange after lucic knew T- tanner glass had to do it so he accepted and uh, I really felt good for Lucic, too. He's, a, he's not having a good season, but I've met him a few times, and I really think he's a quality guy. And, and I, I think he knew the situation and that he just had to go do it, and he did it. And, you know, he's, he's uh, one of the toughest guys that's ever played the game. As, as a goaltender, Kelly, I mean, because every team is supposed to protect their goaltender, but I know in hockey you want to stand up for yourself. But were you ever conscious of okay, I want to stand up for myself, but I am I probably am not going to fight or a guy might not fight me, so I don't want to put my teammates in a, in a tough spot. Was there ever that dynamic or concern? Not really. And and one of the reasons why I back is because it's a different game. And so when you're talking about playing in the 80s and, and a little bit in the 90s, um, there were a lot of scrums. And in a lot of those scrums, a lot of people got free shots, including goaltenders. And so that was a pretty regular occurrence, so it didn't seem that shocking or out of the ordinary. So if you see it now, that's what sort of surprises us and gets us excited. But back then, uh, I remember when we played Washington when I was with the Islanders, the hatred between those two teams was enormous. And there might have been situations just like this between Smith and Lucic about four or five times a period. It was, it was excessive. And people always used to say about me that I got that mean streak from Billy Smith. And as much as I love Billy and he taught me a million things, that isn't one of the things that uh, I learned from Billy. I was like that uh, growing up. Uh, I have that same sort of spirit uh, playing any kind of sport. And uh, like I said, when I was in Medicine Hat, I got involved many, many times. So it just so happened that it was a coincidence that I ended up playing on a team with Billy Smith and he had the reputation battling Billy, but, uh, I mean, we had some great brawls. I remember many times I would get involved early on, and I'd look over at the bench, and there's Billy with the biggest smile on his face. So he was so proud that I, I was following in his footsteps with that kind of attitude. But you never two-handed slashed anybody, though, did you? <laughs> I guess not maybe like Hextall was better known yeah, for that. Not, like, not quite like Ron Hextall, but I got a few guys, boy. And, and one of the best... Uh, uh, where I got it good from another guy. Remember Mike Eagles? He played for one of the teams that I remember most is the uh, uh, Winnipeg Jets, the city I'm in right now because I'm doing the Flames game tomorrow. But 
Mike Eagles and I had this battle going all season long. I was playing in L.A. at the time, and uh, this game was in L.A., in fact, and I got him good. I, I whacked him in the ankles a couple times. By the knee, I got him a couple good times, and I could see he was waiting for his opportunity. And uh, there's a goal-mouth scramble. I covered the puck up. The whistle blows, and he's on his stomach. One of our defensemen cross-checked him from behind, so he's facing me stretched out and my legs are apart and he speared me in the most tender area that a guy has I was in agony but I looked at his face and I could see the joy on his face it's like I finally got you Rudy so it was (laughs) I actually felt pretty proud for him he got me good and uh, he deserved to you know I gotta tell you a quick uh, story here and it involves Lucic so after after that play with uh, Mike Smith, I yeah. put on Twitter, Milan Lucic has had trouble beating a goalie, so he tried beating a goalie. So oh it was one of my rare tweets that people liked. And so then Morley <laughs> Scott, who you know, saw yeah. it, and Morley said, you know, Milan Lucic was responsible for one of my most popular tweets. And I was like, oh, what was that, Morley? So a few years ago, I can't remember, but Lucic got a penalty and got fined, I think, fifteen or $17,000 for spearing an opponent in that sensitive male yeah. area. Yeah. And uh, Morley Scott had a, had a, took the picture that was online, <laughs> and, and he wrote on his account, Air Canada no longer has the most expensive bag check. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's funny. All right. Uh, okay, uh, before we let you go here, the Sedins' final game is going to be here in Edmonton on uh, on Saturday night. Incredible careers. I mean, uh, yeah. just what your perspective on those two guys. Well, because Edmonton Oilers fans are unbelievable and they respect the game of hockey so much and such great fans of the, the game, I'm really hopeful that they'll give the Sedins a standing ovation. I'm pretty sure they will. I mean, the Sedins have had remarkable careers, as you said, uh, the one thing, you know, when you think about them, just how humble they've been for all the success, all the things they do in the community, I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here, Reed, to say that I don't think they've ever offended or said anything nasty to anybody in their entire lives. Uh, I mean, they, that's just how they carry themselves. Utmost respect uh, from around the NHL about what those guys have done. I'm a little bit sad. I understand it, and everybody has to retire, and everybody's timing is a little bit differently, but... From my standpoint, I think they still have some pretty good hockey left in them. I think both of them had pretty decent years considering their age and so on. I wish it was going to continue on, but uh, I think they're making the right decision, especially when they talk about uh, their involvement uh, moving forward with their families. So, wonderful career. I had the the luxury read of going out to Vancouver for about uh, 12 years consecutively uh, on Saturday nights for Hockey Night in Canada and chance to uh, get to know them a little bit. And, uh, boy, great, great ambassadors for our game. Kelly, thanks for coming on tonight. Next week when we are doing this, we will be talking about the first round of the playoffs. So that's going to be exciting. Thanks, buddy. Boy, I love it. Okay, Reed, take care, pal.
That is Kelly Rudy checking in tonight from the NHL on Rogers. Former NHL goaltender joins us every week here on uh, Inside Sports. Some uh, great memories of the feisty parts of his career and stopping Fedorov on a four-goal night on a penalty shot. You can chime in. 780-496-0063 is our phone number. You can also text 63630. We'll have more on the Oilers as we move along. I talked to Zach Cassian about the Sedins. Cam Talbot was uh, questioned about his season today. He had an interesting perspective and Ryan Smith is going to join us later on tonight as well. It's 621. We're coming right back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Got a text here from the Big L. This is a good one. He says, hey, Reed, speaking of goalies, I went to see my accountant today, but he got injured before looking over my books. Our rec league goalie filled in and surprisingly got us some decent saves. (laughs) The reverse Foster. That's a good one, Big L. I always enjoy your text messages. Uh, I'll get to a couple other texts after the 6.30 news. You're going to hear from Zach Cassie and Cam Talbot as well. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, the Masters starts tomorrow. The par 3 tournament was today. First of all, Tom Watson won at 68 years of age, oldest ever winner of the par 3 contest at Augusta. He will not play in the actual tournament. Pretty cool moment here for Jack Nicklaus's grandson. 15 years old. And he can pound it. He's telling me he's, he's figured out that he doesn't need to swing it as hard as he can. <laughs> it's really a good-looking practice swing. He, he only needs to swing about 120 miles an hour. That's, that's a good speed for him. Come on back. There's no miss. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. about that 15-year-old Gary Nicholas getting a hole-in-one on the par-3 contest. So Jack lets him hit. The other two guys in the threesome, Gary Player and Tom Watson, who uh, won the par-3 tournament, and the kid steps up and gets his first ever hole-in-one. That was pretty cool. A little bit of uh, curling going on tonight, too. World Curling Canada taking on the Netherlands at the Men's Worlds in Las Vegas, Canada, taking a 6-1 and record into that game. It gets underway in a few minutes as well. We'll keep you updated. Okay, uh, you can text 630 is the phone number. Ryan Smith is coming up later on tonight as well. We'll be joined in studio by Mark Cordy, Golden Bears offensive lineman who had an NFL Pro Day recently. He's in between 7.30 and 8, so that'll be fun. White Sox and Blue Jays now tied 1-1 in the top of the fifth, so the Jays have pulled even. However, the White Sox now have the bases loaded with one out. Back after the news. This 
is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, more with Cam Talbot coming up in a couple of minutes. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Here's what's happening in the NHL. Blues and Blackhawks are tied 1-1 halfway through the first period. St. Louis playing the game in hand they have on Colorado. They are one point behind for the second and final wildcard spot in the Western Conference. Big game for the Blues, who have uh, lost a couple in a row but have been able to hang on. Looked like they were uh, kind of throwing their hands up and saying, well, I guess we're not good enough. At the trade deadline, traded Paul Stastny, but Jake Allen strong in net. So they've been hanging around. Also, 2-1, Senators lead the Sabres after one. Eric Carlson not playing in that game for Ottawa. Wild and Ducks coming up at 8 o'clock. Blue Jays and White Sox 1-1 in the top of the... Oh, sorry, White Sox now up 2-1 in the top of the fifth. Still have the bases loaded. And... The Raptors at home tonight against Boston. Big game in the race for the top seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Last minute of the first quarter, Boston up 18-14. Toronto has a two-game lead in the standings on the Celtics with five games to go, four after tonight. So a win for the Raptors. They pretty much sew up the number one seed. Boston, though, would move within a game with a win. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630. Chad, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. So I believe next Wednesday, so a week from today, we have planned on Oilers now. I'll join Bob Stoffer. I think Jack Michaels will be on. Brendan Ulrich will be on. And we'll do our guaranteed-to-be-correct playoff predictions. And I was saying to Brendan today, Brendan Ulrich produces the show. I was like, you gotta, you got to find how we uh, all the playoff picks we made at the beginning of the season when we predicted the eight playoff teams from each conference and we did uh, Stanley Cup predictions. And I believe I, out of those the, the, the three other guys I mentioned, so four people total, I actually, we all picked the Oilers in the playoffs. I did not pick the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. I did not pick them to win the Western Conference. The other three guys at least picked them to win the West. Uh, I believe I'm going to be the only one who will have my two preseason Stanley Cup picks both in the playoffs. And and I thought, I, Brendan found some audio today, and I said this way back in October. So I reluctantly have selected the Chicago Blackhawks to drop out of the playoffs. Wow. Really? Yes. You, you hear that attitude I'm getting from Stauffer there, Kellen? Wow. Really? Hey, well, yes. Yeah. That's my prediction. Hey, that was bang on, Like, man. he makes it sound like there's no way in the world what I'm saying could possibly come true. And I, I, I wonder what he's going to have to say on Wednesday, Paul. Absolutely. Hey, kudos to you. Wow. That's... Really? <laughs> hey, thanks, Bob. I'm going to save that sound effect for later on in the sound effect bank, too. It's great. But, hey, kudos to you. You can chalk that one up to your uh, Super Bowl prediction or with your Super Bowl prediction from a few years back as well. So you've got two now in the history of the yeah, show. Yeah, I'm, I'm rarely right, so what I am. I just, you know, I just, come on, Bob. Like, Wow. Really? Yes, really. That's what I was predicting. And it turned out to be right. However, Brendan, Brendan also found this. So we did the picks after day one of the season. Okay. I, I, I agree with Brandon, and I didn't need to, actually. I didn't need to see the game last night. I think go, uh, goaltending is going to be the downfall for Winnipeg. They're not going to be able to be a wild card team. Well, I'm, technically, I'm right. Winnipeg's not a wild card team. They're, they're, they're going to be in the top two of their division. Ah, that's the beauty of the predictions. Here, here's the thing. 
historically, it's been uh, five and a half teams per year, so five or six on average teams that uh, swap in and out of the playoffs, right? So you'll you'll have usually 10 or 11 teams repeat going to the playoffs and, and five or six new ones, and it looks like it's going to be around that number again this year. Clearly, uh, a lot of people had the Oilers at least in. They won't be. A lot of people had the Flames in. They, uh, they won't be. I think a lot of people probably still had Chicago in. They won't be. I think Colorado's going to be. A, if Colorado makes it, they'll be a team not a lot of people pick to jump back in. Uh, you know, Jersey, Philadelphia, probably were not a lot expected from them. They're going to be in the playoffs. My preseason Stanley Cup pick. And they've been one of the hottest teams in the NHL over the last month was the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I'll probably stick with that when we go to the playoffs. Because what fun is it to change? Why change all the time? You got to stick with it, Kellen. Columbus, Las Vegas, Stanley Cup final? There are some sports hosts on this station, and I may have mentioned his name a couple minutes ago, who change their pick after every round. They do a preseason pick. Uh, he does a preseason pick, a halfway point pick, a start of the playoffs pick, and then a new pick after each round. That's like five different Stanley Cup predictions, five or six. No, you got to stand by your pick be, the entire I'm year. I'm standing by the Blue Jackets. Absolutely. Sam G. texting in, he says, Reed, please pick my pool. <laughs> well, let's not go that far, Sam G. Let's, as I'm the first to admit, I am often and usually wrong. <laughs> uh, Jeremy from Glendon says, is that what Stoffer says? <laughs> well, th- I, I might get in trouble for reading this. Is that what Stoffer says when Royal Pizza is out of the Mediterranean chicken? Wow. Really? <laughs> Probably. Uh, that's a good one, Jeremy. Okay. Well, I, here. Well, again, here's what I said about the Jets. But I, I agree with Brandon, and I didn't need to, actually. I didn't need to see the game last night. I think uh, goaltending is going to be the downfall for Winnipeg. They're not going to be able to be a wild card team. Well, goaltending hasn't been the downfall for Winnipeg. It's been their primary strength, despite all the firepower they have on that team. And that's really what kept them out of the playoffs last year. You know the story. The Jets and Oilers were one goal apart in goals for last season. The Oilers had top 10 goaltending from Cam Talbot, who was fourth in Vesna voting, and the Jets had bottom 10 goaltending. They went and got Steve Mason, but it turns out Connor Hellebuck has has really led the way. And, you know, it's... Well, here's a, here's a question. Because what what do we have as as the uh, the big the 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 team defining positions in sports? And you need a deep team. You need depth. You need a variety of skills. We were talking about that last night. But you got goaltending in hockey. You got starting pitching in baseball. You got a quarterback in football. You you, you don't have those. You're probably not going to have a good team if you don't have above average or excellent performances at those positions. So what's the most important position? In sports, I can ask you that on the text line at 630-630. Certainly it's goaltending in hockey. I mean, there have been teams that haven't had a lot of firepower that maybe haven't won Stanley Cups but have been good teams or done some damage in the playoffs on the backs of goaltenders. And how many goaltenders have won the Conn Smythe as playoff MVP? Quite a few when you go back and look. So the Jets got the goaltending. The Oilers, especially earlier in the season, didn't have the goaltending. Cam Talbot, who, by the way, said he has been approached by Team Canada to play at the World Hockey Championships in Denmark in May. hasn't made a decision yet. His season, in my mind, you can really divide it in half. 
On February 12th, he had, if not his worst, one of his worst games as an Edmonton Oiler, losing 7-5 to the Florida Panthers. At that point in the season, on February 12th, he had a 900 save percentage. Since then, he has had a 918 save percentage. Now, his one loss record, still 10-11-1. Obviously, uh, you know, he still had a couple of games, bad games in there, and there hasn't been a lot of uh, offensive sport in a couple of games. But 918, right around where he's been through most of his career. So Talbot was asked today, which goaltender are you? Uh, I have a pretty good feeling. I mean, uh, if you compare this to my first four years, this is the outlier. It wasn't just last year. I mean, I had three good years before that. Um, I don't see myself as two different goaltenders. I see myself as one guy. And, you know, I went through a couple of tough stretches this year that skewed my numbers a little bit. But all in all, I'm the same guy year in and year out, I believe. Well, and this is going to be the big discussion point for the Oilers over the summer. Uh, I mean, here's a text that came in earlier. The Oilers' defense is probably more of what they should be concerned about. Other than Russell, Larson, Nurse, are any others very consistent? I think this is a bigger issue than they may realize. Sekra is becoming damaged goods, and expecting Clefbaum to pan out is mere speculation. Most others require time and development. Still say they should seriously make a player such as Carlson fit within their cap that may take perhaps ridding themselves of Clefbaum and others. So that's a text that came in earlier to 6.30, So that that's how the discussion has changed from a year ago where we were talking about how high can the Oilers go. You know, a year ago we were talking about who are they going to play in the first round? Can they get past them? How deep into the playoffs can they go? They lost in round two. A lot of optimism. What do they have to do? Uh, you know, how do they round out the roster? And now, obviously, and then this is what I said about, you know, j- joking about making predictions. But when you when you go into a... Uh, a new season making predictions you often just go well how did they how did they do last year they're probably going to do around the same thing right and then there can be varying degrees of performance so now with the the Oilers the question is that texture mix uh, mentioned some of the players uh, Sekera Clefbaum leading the way I think on the back end Talbot certainly in net who actually are they are they more last year's player or earlier career players or are they more this year's player you, you look at Talbot had a 941 save percentage in limited action with the Rangers in his first year in the league, just 21 games. Then he had a 926 save percentage in 36 games in 14-15. That's when he had to play a lot because Lundqvist was hurt, and that's what really put him on the market as a guy who could be a number one goaltender. And then the Oilers got him that summer. And he actually finished seventh in the Vesna Trophy voting that year. First year with the Oilers, not a very good team. He started a little poorly, but had a pretty good season overall. 9-17 save percentage. 9-19 last year. And then I mentioned the split this year. 900 before February 12th. 9-18 right around where he's been with the Oilers uh, for his first two years since then. So I guess it's what are you going to believe with Talbot? There's a pretty good track record there. And as he said, it, it looks like at least this year is the outlier. You hope that's the case. Because if he gives 917, 918, 919 save percentage performance again, that's going to change a lot. And, I, and I'm not saying it's it's the only thing that will help the Oilers because there are other, I mean, there's always other areas the rosters that have to be looked at, but it is the most important position in hockey. If you have goaltending, you usually at least have somewhat of a chance. 
Talbot was also asked, why have you been better lately? Uh, confidence. Um, like I said, you go through some of those stretches and sometimes it starts to wear on you um, a little bit more mentally and stuff like that. So uh, once you start rolling, start making some big saves and, and big moments and stuff like that, it just continues to snowball. So um, throughout the last uh, couple months, I felt more like myself again. And um, yeah, just continue to try to roll with it and try to finish the season strong and, and finish where I want to start next year. All right, so uh, there's Talbot uh, today talking about his performance. Head coach Todd McClellan also asked, who do you think is the real Camp Talbot? You know, that question um, is a is a organizational question. It's an overlapping question. Um, you zeroed in on the goaltender. I would ask the question of the organization, of the coaching staff, of the uh, power play penalty kill, the forwards, the D-man. Um, you know, you specifically went down to one position, but that question can can paint everybody um, as far as cam goes he was uh, tremendous last year he was good this year uh, there's a difference between being good and tremendous and uh, we've got to get him back to being tremendous i felt in the second half of the season he was better um, We've played him a lot down the stretch, which uh, I believe is important for him. He plays better when he gets going. And, um, you know, there's some nights where uh, lately where it hasn't gone quite as well for him as he would like. But you have to keep in mind that the group in front of him didn't perform as as well as they could. Um, so I believe we have, uh, we have Cam Talbot somewhere in between the two seasons, as we do uh, everybody else that's painted with that question. And uh, we've got to find that point, and we've got to push it forward. Forward, not let it fall backwards. All right, a little bit there from head coach Todd McClellan. Get more on Talbot on 630Ched.com. It's 647. Blue Jays now trailing 3-1 to the White Sox. Top of the six. You'll hear from Zach Cassian when we get back. And fan favorite, former Oiler Ryan Smith coming up after seven. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. This texter says Cam Talbot is capable of great games, but to do it on a consistent basis will be difficult to attain. What he requires is a 1B backup similar to the days of... Fewer and Moak, Fewer and Ranford, Montoya, a solid number two goalie and doesn't fit the requirements yeah I'm not sure what they're going to do I, I mean that's everybody would like the the Carter Hutton as your second goaltender right or somebody who's been solid like that Montoya is other contract for another year he's had some really good games as an oiler he's had some pretty uh shaky games as well but that's why he's a backup right I mean if if he was playing better all the time or had played better more often, he'd uh, he'd have a job as a starter. So I don't know. Montoya's under contract. It's it's not easy to get that guy who's between say the 26th and 40th best goaltender in the NHL. Talbot played 73 games last season. Was uh, awesome. Has played 65 this year. Uh, for the most part, has uh, has not been good enough to take the Oilers back into the playoffs. Kirk says Secker is proven. Clefbaum is young, but we don't know if he'll succeed. That's the problem. We need guys to put in the work to improve. Keep Secker though. That is from Kirk. Uh, hello, Reed from Ron. Will the Oilers play their backup one of the two remaining games? I imagine Talbot will play uh, both games now. Uh, the plan was to put Montoya in 
Monday in Minnesota. Talbot got pulled Saturday in Calgary, so they came back and gave him a chance to start. I would think it would be Talbot for the final two home games. The last home game will be against the Vancouver Canucks and the Sedin Twins. Zach Cassian, former Canuck, had the Sedins as teammates. Two hell of a hockey players. They're, uh, the things they can do on the ice uh, is pretty amazing. Obviously, I got to be a part of it for a short time, but... Uh, I think people don't realize about them is how good of guys they are off the ice for how good of athletes they are. Um, they're so humble, so kind. Um, I mentioned it in a Twitter post that I posted last night that uh, they're the two best uh, teammates that uh, I've had to date. So that just speaks volumes for them. In terms of the on the ice stuff, I mean, when you saw them even in practice or what they did in games, they must have done some plays where you were like, oh, Oh, okay, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah, they. it seemed like they have eyes in the back of their head, the way they cycle the puck and find the open man. Um, I was lucky enough to get a few backdoor tap-ins from them back in the day, but, uh, yeah, they, in my mind, and everyone that has played with them um, would agree that they're future Hall of Famers. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The way they, the way they play the game, the way they think the game, um, the things they do for the community. Vancouver's lucky to have two players like that, and they're definitely going to be missed in the hockey world. So when you were on the ice with them, did you have to change anything you did, or was it just always always be ready because they might find you? Oh, yeah, you always have to be ready. It's, it's It was almost like having two Connors, obviously different dynamics, but two twins that think the same, <laughs> that uh, play the same. That's <laughs> The stuff they did out there, was, it was truly amazing. And... Uh, Still, they're they're hockey old now, you could say, and the stuff they do out there is is still unbelievable. And, and in their prime, um, they were special players. If and uh, I feel lucky and uh, grateful to ever get a chance to to play with them. You mentioned what kind of teammates and people they were, and that's coming up a lot this week as well. Is there? I don't know if there's a moment you witnessed with how they interacted or something they did in the community that really stands out for you or an interaction with a fan. I think it's just how they treat people in general. Um, it's one thing to to be really good at hockey and, and be dominant in this league, but the way they handled their teammates, whether it be your first year or 10 years, whether they hand, handled media, whether they handled um, coaches, um, any staff, um, people in the public eye, um, they're just world-class people that treat everyone with respect, and I honestly don't think they get enough respect uh, for what they do uh, do on the ice. And like I said, I could keep talking about them all day, but uh, it's one of those things where it's going to be kind of kind of cool to be play against them in the last game here at uh, at Rogers Place. Okay, I'll just get a thought on. Uh, obviously, you guys are at Vegas tomorrow. Uh, I don't know the last. I know you've lost five in a row, but the last four have been pretty tough I thought uh, just maybe a little up and down what do you hope to do a little better tomorrow I guess as a team uh, just finish out the year I think strong um, obviously we don't want to go out and with with two losses at home I think the fans deserve our, our best effort and, and we're going to try to produce that against two good hockey teams obviously Vegas comes in here and we want to play the right way we've had success against them this year um, and then obviously we want to close it off there's two games left Obviously, it's been a disappointing year, but um, the fans, most importantly, deserve us, our, our, our best effort uh, these last two games at home. A little bit there with Zach Cassian. High praise for Daniel and Henrik. That'll be cool on Saturday night. Hey, want to remind you, 
Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, Golden Fork winning chicken. Get tickets for the exclusive hockey fan charity dinner to support Winhouse. Only 50 tickets available. The event includes a five-course meal and a silent auction. Call 780-756-2239. Northern Chicken online at northchickenyeg.com. We'll update your scoreboard after the news. We also have Ryan Smith standing by. He'll talk a little bit about playing against the Sedins. He'll give some thoughts on the Oilers going into their final two games of the year and uh, some memories of what the Sedins did for him on his final night as an NHLer. All coming up on Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.